comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. We're like baseball, only not boring. everybody to half hour wasted episode 507 507 507 is it proper to say 507 or 507 because i got Let's an see. argument i got an argument with with uh, folks uh, about that i think grammatically speaking it's correct to say 507 i think when you write a check let's see when you write a check you do like Four hundred and twenty dollars and sixty nine cents. You put the and in there, right? When you do and, I never. When I write a check, I would uh-huh. always write five hundred seven dollars and twenty five slash one hundred dollars. Now, okay. actually, the dollars is printed on the check, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Bill's here too. Man, hey, Bill. We're so old. <laughs> We're so old. We're, we're talking about writing checks. Listen to this, my buddy Kevin. Like, his, wait, you don't have like Google Pay or something? Come yeah, on. My buddy, I, I write. I write two checks a year. Yeah, that's it. My buddy Kevin, <laughs> uh, who has uh, been on the show before uh, several times, uh, we went to high school together. He um, he made fun of me when he found out I, that I had a checkbook, and he laughed and he laughed. He thought it was the funniest thing. And he's like, "You're old." I'm like, "Dude, you're two months older than I am." I, mean, I don't know if it's that funny. Well, he's like, what do you have a checkbook for? Nobody writes checks anymore. I'm like, I got to write a check for my rent. Only, oh, okay, okay. Only this year or last year did my apartment complex start letting me pay online. Holy cow. Without a fee. Let me put it that way. I could have paid yes. online for an extra $25. And I was like, no way. I'm going to write a check, you know? So hey, where only do you la- live? In Louisville. I mean, I mean, what complex do you live at? Do you live at like Neanderthal East or something? You know, actually, you live I live... Like Cro-Magnon Shores or something? I live in an apartment complex that our mutual friend Jeff Tracy used to live at. Whoa! Yeah, he, when I, when I, he was asking me where I lived. He goes, I used to live there. Anyway, I wouldn't <laughs> recommend living in the apartment complex I live in oh, for no. a couple reasons. I mean, it's not horrible. It's not horrible at all. Is but it, it ain't all uh, the hippies living here. No, it's just I'm not going to talk about it. Um, so go ahead. We Let's should have some fun. we should at least generically mention that there is a new president elect, and there is uh, a presumptive president elect. Yeah, yes. Whether or not there will be a peaceful transition to power, I suppose, is still up in the air because of things that the current president has said. But we'll sit back and watch. 
we also have our first uh, female vice president, which is crazy. Uh, I, it just like the first time this was tried was 76, I guess, or maybe, no, it was 80 with 80, 84, 84 with Mondale. 84 Mondale. And, uh, so, uh, we have a female vice president too. That's, that's historic in a lot of ways. Regardless of your political leanings, I hope we can all agree that we hope there will be a peaceful transition to power and that America can just try to get along. I expect a peaceful transition to power. My hope is that, um, uh, somehow everybody can kind of shake their, their collective American heads and realize that it's, this is a good time to get back to uh, compromising with the other side. Uh, as we all know, a compromise is defined as uh, something that neither side walks away happy from. And I really think that uh, if this country can get back to a place where um, uh, we're willing to compromise and everything doesn't have to be a zero-sum game, um, that, uh, that America will be better off for it. So, um, regardless of which way you voted in the election, I hope that we can all agree on that. I believe that the three of us strive to make this a show that people can listen to without bringing in, you know, emotions this, that, and, and stuff like that, stuff like that. And I hope the listeners can just sit and listen and, and, uh, Enjoy it, it and what? Leave Britney alone. <laughs> you know, we. Uh, uh, I was telling you guys before we even started uh, that you know, in, in the end, we are somewhat entertainers, and we want to make your day just a little happier by bringing content that would make you smile. That's our goal. For those I of you not pushing it, but yeah, well, I, I was going like to yeah. I was going to say for those of you not watching us on Skype, which is all of you. Wait a minute, people uh, are watching us no, on Skype. No, everybody but the oh, three God. of us. Is not oh, watching yeah. us on story. When Frank said entertain, somewhat, when he said somewhat entertainers, he did he did air quotes around the <laughs> around the word somewhat. Um. So, uh, the, yes, we got a new president elect, but the more important news is that the Mandalorian season two happened. It's back, baby. Two episodes as of this recording. <laughs> And I tell you what, now there's something all Americans can agree on is the Mandalorian is a dang good show. I tell you what, I didn't think the child could get any cuter than he did than he was last season, but oh my gosh, heartstrings have been pulled. Okay, I'm going to put this out there right now, and you guys may hate me for it, but uh, I thought there was a little too much of the child in the first episode. You shut your face. They did so many cutaways to the adorable, uh, 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 they were like doubling down on the child so much. Oh my God, just go go cast another vote for Vladimir Putin, you (laughs) commie. Not to be rude, but shut up for a second. (laughs) Shut your mouth really quick, shut your mouth. <laughs> um, I think they did that on purpose, Frank. I think they made us think, oh, the child's gonna save the Mandalorian again and and help him get out of the situation like he has in a uh, a few past episodes. Brad, that's exactly why it bothered me a little bit because they kept kind of going to him, kind of going, eh, eh, maybe, maybe not, we'll see. But he's cute. They, but uh, I but I enjoy the Mandalorian. That's well, just well, like right if by anything, uh, Ryan Johnson should take lessons on how to subvert audience expectations without pissing them off. Part all of right. Language. I thought you weren't. I thought you were rant free today, Bill. 
Huh? I thought you were going to be rant-free today. Oh, I'm sorry. Do we think The Last Jedi was a good movie now? I adore that movie. I've always <laughs> thought that. Anyway, oh, my yeah, God. Okay. I, I think right, Last well, Jedi... Sorry, let me, well, let me back away flaws, slowly. Yeah. Uh, even though with its flaws, I think it's a very good movie. Uh Last, uh, the last guy or the Skywalker. What was the last one called? The Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker uh, left me pretty, pretty sad. (laughs) Star Wars Episode Nine: The Pissing Off of the Fan Base. Is that what it's called? (laughs) Yes. Uh, We're not talking about Skywalker. Episode Eight. (laughs) We're not talking about Skywalker Saga. We're talking about Mandalorian. So, thank goodness for that. We will eventually. I know. (laughs) We will eventually go back and do our our in depth episodes on the Mandalorian, like we did with season one. But we wanted to talk a bit about the first couple of episodes since they're under the belt. Um, I didn't realize crate dragons were that big. You know, when we saw in episode four, when we saw the skeleton in the background, you know, when three PO's yeah. walking, it didn't, yeah. it didn't appear to be that big, but man, they're huge. The, uh, uh, I saw this online. So the sound that the crate dragon makes in this episode is the same sound that Obi-Wan makes in episode four when he's scaring off the sand people from Luke. Luke. You think they use the actual sound bite? That I don't know, but the video I saw just cut between the two, and yeah. I mean they're very, very similar. I'm so, convinced every time we've ever heard a Jawa say "Utini" that it's been the same, the exact same sound <laughs> audio clip. It's like the Wilhelm scream only exactly. with Jawas. Yes, right, sir. exactly. Right. By the way, one one last little note: uh, if if you have the opinion of the Last Jedi, I oh, do. Gosh, Bill. Please enjoy. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. I would have been done by now if you hadn't interrupted me. I say, please enjoy the uh, the subreddit uh, saltier than crate. K r a y t. C r a i t. C r o the planet crate. Yeah, because yes. the white stuff yes. was salt. Okay, yes. gotcha. Okay, actually, uh, I'm gonna go that, look that at that. Okay, so. Um, so when we last left the Mandalorian at the end of season one, he and the child parted ways with Grief Karga and Cara Dune. And she said something like, you take care of this little one. I think they were going to stick around on that planet since the empire had been, you know, at least in that city or whatever had been routed. Um, and then, so he's, he, uh, takes off and you know uh i forget how season how episode one started exactly well let's you just see. watched he it catches, recently Frank. yeah the the first episode of the first season i mean we're introduced to him oh, while he's season? catching a bounty or, or i'm sorry <clears throat> um yeah the second season uh he he walks through that city with the child and there's a whole bunch of red eyes looking at him yeah, in yeah, the yeah. darkness while yeah. he attends a fight. That's right. Uh, and uh, that, that of course, pays off later, those those uh, uh, monsters with the red, with eyes. The red eyes. Yeah. I'm super glad we didn't see, like, a WWE cameo in that in that fight scene. <laughs> you know, it could have been one dressed up you as mean, a Gamorian. Triple H wasn't one of those guys? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there, there actually was a cameo of... From I guess it's it's uh, um, the Force Awakens. So there was a character that they pushed uh, action figure for that didn't make it in the final movie. It's called Corporal Zul. Zoo, Zoo, mm-hmm. Sorry, which movie? Uh, Force Awakens. Interesting. Uh, they they cut they created a whole bunch of, of action figures for this one character that got cut out. 
And it's Corporal Zulu or something along those lines. He looks like he has a a big hubcap on his head. He was in the fight scene. He was in the crowd scene Hmm. um, while everyone was was uh, uh, while they were doing cutaways. And uh, you just see his head and a little bit of his eyes, but uh, but he was a character that didn't make it into Force Awakens for one reason or another. Though his figure is out there, his action figure. When did the Mandalorian Weird. Le- learn how to speak sand people? Because we didn't, you know, we, we didn't see him do it in the first one. Maybe, well, it was kind of a far away deal, right? When he was with that young bounty hunter who wanted in the guild and the camera was kind of near the bounty hunter and the the Mandalorian was kind of off in the distance, you know, talking to the sand people. Maybe we just didn't hear him vocalizing. But I think he did learn it from the younger one because the younger one, I thought, taught him that the sand people use hand gestures more okay. to uh, uh, to communicate. That um, that episode with the crate dragon was fun. I read an article where it said that uh, that episode undid everything about Star Wars in general because... It, I mean, this interviewer was like way off out in outer space, I think, when he wrote his episode. But he was talking about how it it humanized the sand people and, you know, everybody played nice together and all this stuff. And I don't know. I just think he'd had a bad day or was late on his deadline for an article and he just threw <laughs> You know, that uh, I do see what he's saying, but I think on the inverse, it actually adds depth to these nomads that we've always kind of just not known much about. That you know, there, there's more to their culture than just uh, you know scavenging and hunting. I mean, they 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 have depth. They're they're not just out to kill everyone. They're out to protect themselves, protect their families, and and you know they have, for lack of a better word, a human side. Mm-hmm. Um. Something really cool about the first episode that I liked was, uh, oh, first off, Timothy Oliphant. I mean, I've always kind of had a, a, a man crush on Timothy Oliphant. He's just right. he was so great and justified. And uh, he's just so, I got, he's just so good. And he's handsome and charismatic. And uh, I've actually been told I look like him on occasion. Usually it's Billy Bob Thornton. Um, <laughs> but every once in a while, it's Timothy Oliphant. I'm like, it, only if. And his if hair had that. His yeah. hair is magnificent. It is. Oh my goodness, magnificent. The, the one thing I I loved about him before we knew who he was, mm-hmm. Ka, his name is Cobb. Before we knew who he was, and he enters the doorway of that bar, and he's wearing um, Bobo, Boba Fett's armor. Yeah, is how ill-fitting it is on him, yeah. and it's great. Yeah. It just like it doesn't fit him perfectly, but he makes it work. He's got a long torso, so it's like he's wearing a belly shirt. You right. know, <laughs> and that chest armor. I heard- I heard a lot of people complain about how he looked ridiculous in it, and I was like, I think that's kind of the point, you know? Yeah, I right, agree. Bill? Yeah, the, the the whole point was that it was not armor fitted to him. He was just making it work. Um, I, I, I I'm always kind of surprised how the uh, uh, even with the uh, the the Beskar steel, um, uh, a, a someone wearing the Mandalorian armor is willing to just stand in there and just just take you know pot shots from people. It's like. So they're never going to hit you like on the side of the rib cage, or maybe like right there next to the belly button, yeah. or you know, right in the neckline or whatever. Well, he, uh, didn't he say something about this armor helps me protect this town? And I, I yes. think, I think a lot of it is 
you know, just being an imposing visual figure as well. Yes. Well, also, yeah. And of course, if the bad guys don't know that you're not a true Mandalorian, whatever that means, right. then then yes, they should probably be uh, scared of you. Um, yeah. You know, once you show up with that uh, that sweet helmet on, I like. Uh, I know I would be. Go ahead, Frank. Uh, I was going to say, you know, rumors on Tatooine just just flow and uh, without any. They don't seem to have any type of real news network, so yeah. it's just like, hey, there's this guy in this town over here. You just want to stay away from it. He's a Mandalorian, maybe. We're not sure. Yeah, um, I liked it when uh, he walks in, you know, and then he goes over and sits down. He gets his two two drinks and he goes and sits down at the table. And there's the, the camera shot is over the shoulder from behind of Cobb Vanth and you see the Mandalorian walking towards the camera and he reaches a uh, Cobb Vanth reaches up to pull the helmet off and the man it, that just stops the Mandalorian in his tracks like what are you doing you know he didn't vocalize yeah. that but you could just tell he's like what are you doing and then he pulls it off and he goes well, I could tell you I bet I mean I could tell you you know no I'm not a real Mandalorian or whatever that yeah. was a nice touch his little I, uh, pausing in his I tracks I thought it was uh, kind of interesting. I, I was not expecting um, uh, our our Mandalorian to just, without hesitation, without desire for an explanation, to just say, "Just give it back, give it back, give it back, give the armor back, give the armor back, get the armor off." You know, he he never spent one second trying to find out why are you wearing that armor, how'd you get that armor, is there a, a you know, is there a good reason? Uh, all he all he knew was that he immediately wanted it back. Yeah, and. Uh, I found that interesting because I, I guess that's just part of the the Mandalorian code or some such because there's not necessarily a reason you would need it back. It's not like you're going to trade it for you know information or, or you know credits or anything like that. So I guess he just he was just he was just initially revolted by the idea of a non uh, right. Mandalorian wearing that armor. Um, and I'm, I'm surprised too, against subverting expectations in a good way. Uh, I really, truly expected to get to the end of the episode and, um, you know, Mando to say, you know what, you know, you're, you're obviously worthy. You keep it. I'm that, surprised that moment did not happen. I like the second that the giant dragon showed up yeah. and they had to work together. I thought, Oh, I know where this is going. I got this figured out just like you, Bill. I was like, yeah. okay, he's going to, he's worthy of the army armor i'm glad they didn't do that though i mean congratulations to them for figuring out a way to do that uh, and I, I loved loved that that last exchange you know the, the line this was well earned and the handshake and the respect yeah. and uh, i hope we uh, see him again I, I thought that was awesome i hope we see him again he's he's a I do character too. is uh is Cobb vanth uh this uh, here here is exposing my lack of uh star wars eu knowledge um, is Cobb Vanth a, uh, a, a character that we should know? Only, and I mentioned this a while back on another mm -hmm. episode, only if you read the Aftermath trilogy written by Chuck Wendig, which is okay. canon. It's newish. You know, it okay. came out about the time that uh, The Force Awakens came out, back in okay. 2015, the first book. And uh, he shows up in that first book at the end. And there's a scene in it when he where he acquires... A set of Mandalorian armor. It never sets. It never says Boba Fett. It really, ne it never describes the armor. But huh. you kind of know if having read it now, knowing that Cobb Vanth was going to be 
on the Mandalorian wearing Boba Fett's armor, I knew what was happening in the scene that I read. Now, this is interesting. It makes me wonder, huh. since this was written back in 2015, if they already had the idea to start bringing back, planting the seed of Boba Fett still being alive, and they decided to do it in a book where this no-name original character finds a set of Mandalorian armor, or if it was just a fortuitous thing and somebody at Disney or maybe even John Favreau says, hang on, I got an idea. Remember that thing that happened at the end of book one of the Aftermath trilogy where this dude named Cobb Vanth finds Mandalorian armor? That's Boba Fett's armor, and we're going to put him in the Mandalorian show sometime. And then we'll bring back Boba Fett. You just kind of blew my mind, uh, because maybe this is just me being incredibly, incredibly uh, stupid. But it never it never occurred to me that that was absolutely uh, Boba Fett's armor. I just assumed that was some rando Mandalorian armor. There was a there was a. Um, very... I guess it makes sense based on the the final shot of the initial episode. But um, well, but I no, mean, I, I we... have not put two and two together yet. There was a so very the, the helmet shot of the helmet, right, Frank? Yeah, the, the yeah. helmet with with uh, with Boba's uh, dent in it, right. and, and, and that and, little yeah. antenna thing that. You know, it was yeah. there too. Boba Fett was one of the very few Mandalorians that we'd ever seen uh, that had that little got, like, that little antenna thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did Django have that? N- no, no, he did not have that little. Okay. Psh, psh, psh. So, some who was it that asked me a question? Somebody said something like, "Okay, so is Boba Fett even a real Mandalorian?" And I started thinking, okay, well, let's think back. Is his dad, Jango Fett, a real Mandalorian? Do we really know if he was... Did they ever mention... Wow. Did they ever mention in the prequels if if Jango... Pardon me. If Jango Fett was a Mandalorian? And if he... Let's, let's, for argument's sake, let's say he was. Well, he wasn't wearing his helmet all the time. We saw Jango Fett's face all the time. And real Mandalorians right, right. never take their their helmet off. Well, that's uh, a really I, good I, point. I, well, I would argue because of the Rebels cartoon is that there there are definitely factions of the Mandalorian culture that adhere to the rules very strictly. Because Sabine doesn't doesn't that's, wear hers. Yeah, she's true. a Mandalorian. Yeah. So and and her family doesn't wear uh, the helmets all the time. Now I know they they do that for artistic reasons, but you could just yeah. argue that it's just factions. It's how serious do you take the Mandalorian, or how far do you take the Mandalorian culture? But uh, to me, Django. Now that you bring that up, Brad, uh, my gut just tells me that nah, he he's not Mandalorian. Just now, of course, this was before we have all this history that's been written yes. after it. Yeah. Um, but uh, in retrospect, nah. I think he's just a guy who came across it or was a rogue uh, Mandalorian. Because would a Mandalorian do that? I mean, give up his DNA to uh, to have clones made out of him? I don't know. Uh, if the price was right, maybe. I mean, you know, there's always... You think you know a certain type of person or a group of person, and then there's always at least somebody in that group that defies expectations. So maybe that's so he, what Jango Fett was. Yeah, maybe he's a Mandalorian in name only, and but you know he he's always out for himself. Yeah, you know maybe he was posing the whole time and and professing, you know, 
the Mandalorian Creed, but he really, honestly, deep down inside, didn't care about it. And he always wore his helmet in front of other Mandalorians. But, you know, when he I, oh, be that's around... A, I read some speculation uh, that one of the reasons... This is pure... I think this may have been on Star Wars speculation, uh, the subreddit. But uh, the, the thought was that uh, the reason why Mandalorians uh, no longer take their helmets off, um, or at least in, in general is because after one of the great purges, um, the Mandalorians had to start taking in uh, other races into their their creed, their uh, you know their way of life. And at that point, you've got a bunch of uh, people walking around who may be welcomed by the, the Mandalorians, but uh, but are not you know official native Mandalorians themselves. And so keeping the helmet on was one way of keeping the races kind of integrated you know you you wouldn't have to worry about you're not a real mandalorian i can tell because your helmet's not off and you have three eyes um uh, or i don't one eye <laughs> right or one eye. i don't want to discriminate well uh, i have no reason to believe that that's that's true i think that's literal speculation yeah, but i, I do interesting too. And, and it would mm-hmm. make sense if it were canon in any way i think it's speculation too because it, I feel like they, in this first season of Mandalorian, they went out of their way to hammer into us that Mandalorians, Mandalorian is a creed, not necessarily a race. You know, it's a way of thinking and and a way of life and a belief as opposed to a race. And that's a new idea because, you know, we had been told that Mandalorian absolutely was a race, you know, and a creed. It was their kind of their national religion or whatever. Yeah. And now that, um, you know, you might be seeing, you know, uh, a human uh, wearing armor or something that uh, you have to you have to figure out how not to have the the true the true Mandalorians reflexively shoot the non-true Mandalorians in the eyeballs. And that way of thinking well, I, was was driven into us because of all the EU stuff that happened. Right. Yeah. OK. And and the way. I tend to think of it is that it's uh, the Mandalorians are a lot like the Jedi in that anyone can be a Jedi, uh, just like anyone can be a Mandalorian, but you just have to adhere to the rules. And, and maybe that's the way uh, it is. So, um, mm. but, but by the way, before, before we move forward, the, um, uh, the the from what I learned, the one-eyed character at the beginning of Episode One, yeah. yes, yeah. He was voiced by John Leguizamo. Really? Yes, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw the name in the credits and I thought, what, who, what character did Leguizamo play? That's weird. <laughs> and it was, he did a good job because I didn't, his name, his voice did not ring out as, that's John Leguizamo at all. Yeah. At all. The, um, that's a joke for my kids. They'll get it. There was a droid. I th- it might have been in the first episode. It was like a bartender type droid that the Mandalorian was talking to. Uh, that was voiced by Mark Hamill, according to this video I watched. Nice. And then the uh, the droid that the frog lady rewired so she could use it as a voice translator into right. basic or whatever, that droid, when speaking English, was voiced by one of the dudes from the It crowd, the dude with the glasses and the Richard and 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 the hair was like Richard Anionde or something like that. I don't remember his huh. last name, but he's a British actor. You um, talking about the It movie? No, the It crowd is a is a British sitcom. Oh, oh okay. Or the okay. IT crowd? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. That's probably the proper way to say it, right? Yeah, the <laughs> IT crowd. Well, it just looks like the word It. 
It does. I would. I thought it was the it crowd yeah. too. I don't watch that show. Oh God. Frank right, is Frank. over laughing right now. <laughs> no, it's just. Uh, oh no, it's not the it crowd. It's yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. No, you're uh, right. It's just like saying. Uh, uh, for for this whole time, I've been saying uh, cool J, uh, not LL Cool J. Right. Um, and then the second episode of Mandalorian, man, if you have arachnophobia, I can imagine Uh, watching that episode would be difficult. So the director for this episode was Peyton Reed, the guy who did both Ant-Man movies. Yes. And what did we get within the first 15 minutes? But a giant ant. A big giant ant. Isn't that great? (laughs) Isn't that great? And didn't uh, Peyton Reed did both the uh, both first two episodes, right? Uh, I don't know if he did. So I just uh, finished rewatching the second episode. I watched it last night again this morning, and I believe I Peyton Reed have, has directed both episodes. I actually uh, the main have, guy no. The first episode was John Favreau. He directed. The, oh, uh, yeah. dang it! He okay. directed the the first episode. Yes, and wrote it. And then okay. um, let me go back and see who wrote. I think John Favreau wrote the second one also. Yes, he did, but Peyton Reed directed it. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, I-O- A-Y-O-A-D-E. A-Y-O-A-D. Richard Ayoade. Um, Ayodele? Yeah, I'm not sure who. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. You'd like to apologize to the Ayodele family uh, for their name? A guy named D. Bradley Baker voiced the frog lady. Uh, he, uh, D. Dee Bradley Baker is a lady. Yeah, she's a, a longtime sh- character actress. No, D. Bradley Baker is a man who voiced all of the yes. um, all of the uh, clone uh, troopers in the Clone Wars series. But who am I thinking of? I don't know. I don't know either. It ain't yes. This. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm he's, right. he, he's an old. He's even older than we are, so we don't have to worry about. I know him I'm right. No, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely um, right. And I think the the spider creatures were based on a Ralph McQuarrie design from something, one of his designs for monsters for the original trilogy long ago. Yeah, uh, yeah. I somewhere I saw they had referenced that artwork that just uh, yeah. uh, you know just a concept that just didn't didn't make its way way through uh, to the final movies. Baby Yoda uh, loves guys- his snacks, doesn't he? <laughs> Brad, you told us before we started recording that there was a sound effect. I think, I'm pretty sure, I think I'd bet a paycheck that I heard this sound at least three times. I'm pretty sure I heard that sound at least huh. three times after Baby Yoda started eating the frog eggs. It, they, we heard I, a couple of belches. I That's think, for sure. I know I heard I think they were. I think they were making him fart. If you go back and rewatch it. It's real subtle, but it's there. Like you can hear him make, making his baby Yoda noises, like. And we all know that that was a small ship, and there is nothing worse than egg farts. Oh, I know. Hey, <laughs> I we've, mean, you know, we've been in the studio with Frank me, after he's had like six devil eggs. We know oh man, I guess oh, you're right. The only thing worse than the only thing worse than an egg fart is a deviled egg fart. Uh, I can do that. Hey, um, um, why have we not mentioned the fact that uh, that once again uh, George Lucas's Empire is stealing from Frank Herbert? Did did he have? Uh, oh, you mean um, the sandworms? The big sandworms. I hate him. The big sandworms. Yeah, mm-hmm. and how do we not get a Michael Keaton uh, reference in there too? He wasn't stealing. He was sandworms. It was an homage. I hate him. It was an homage. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, it'd be really interesting if Dune was actually coming out like now. Yeah. And so we had the Mandalorian 
with sandworms, and then we had uh, Dune with sandworms, and then we could go back and revisit uh, The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, and watch sandworms. And if you're still not uh, sick of them by then, you go back and watch Beetlejuice with sandworms. Or you could go back and watch the 1984 David Lynch movie with sandworms. Now, it was a dragon. They did call it a dragon. They never called it a sandworm. Don't, don't, let's not split hairs here, Frank. We all know it's a sandworm. I, I just, I, I, I was, to this day, I, I know I'm veering off track. I know the show's over, but uh, I still cannot get over the first time I went to the first, the only time I went to the theater and saw the Battle of Five Armies, and I realized that those are freaking sandworms. I can't take this anymore. It, it, they've strained enough credulity Bill, for just, one movie. Just take it as a compliment towards Dune. That's all I, I will. Uh, uh, yeah, I will. Uh, worms are cool, and, and people want to use, uh, you know, people want to use use worms. Um. <laughs> <laughs> did y'all did y'all recognize one of the two X-wing pilots that showed up in the? Uh, yes, I, I did. did. Not. Who is it, Frank? Uh, he is uh, the co-creator. Um, his name uh, David. Dave Filoni. Help me out. Dave Filoni. Yeah. Really? Do you, know who the, do you know who the other guy was? No. So I saw a, a brief story about him. He is a very prolific uh, Star Wars fan and cosplayer. He's cool. the guy who had all the lines. And yeah. so just a huge Star Wars fan. He always goes to the conventions. He's very well known in the community. And so that's a fan that uh, got that's an opportunity awesome. to be in an episode. That's fantastic. Yeah. Holy cow. Well, talk about winning the lottery there, huh? The, the Star yeah. Wars fan lottery. Dave Filoni was... And also an X-Wing pilot in season one, but I could have sworn he got blowed up. Oh, maybe he did. Oh, that's his that's his twin brother. Yeah, maybe it's uh what rhymes with Dave? Uh, uh Spave. <laughs> yeah, Spave. Spave. Rave. Glaive. Yeah. Glaive Filoni. There you go. Glaive sounds like a Star Wars name. I, I prefer Spave though. Yeah, Spave. Spave Filoni. I'm going to die on that hill. How about that? Um, so that, that second episode was all about the spiders, but I I was like, I don't know how he's getting out of this. I mean... Well, it was also about... It uh, uh, turns out that the baby Yoda is maybe a little bit sicker than we thought. This <laughs> baby Yoda keeps eating the freaking babies. Oh, yeah. He had, he had one in his robe. Again. Right at the very end of the episode, he had yeah, one in his I, robe, and he goes, bloop, bloop. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's, it's pretty sick. Uh, um, it's pretty sick that that they use that as a as a, a laugh line, yeah. you know. And they kept going back to it. It's like, oh my god, that's amazing. I, I the the uh, frog lady didn't seem to be upset that some of the eggs were missing. I don't. Uh, I don't think she had counted. Maybe yeah, counted. because otherwise, oh. yeah, I'd, I'd think that your instinct as a mother would be like. Uh, where's the other half of my freaking babies? Yeah. Right? That, that would be, you know, I, I wish they had kind of acknowledged <laughs> that and goes, and tell him to stop eating my babies. Right. <laughs> I kind of I got the vibe at the very end of the episode when they're all buckling down to go to sleep while they're limping off to the, the planet or whatever. Baby Yoda is in the Mandalorian's lap and he turns around and he looks over his shoulder at the tub of eggs and the frog lady's yeah. looking at him and she kind of wraps her arms around protectively uh -huh. around the babies yeah. i kind of got the feeling like maybe she knows that 
Baby Yoda wants to eat her kids or whatever. Right. Um, gosh, there was one thing. Uh, shoot, what was I going to say? Well, well no, we were I mean, talking about how how they how it seemed like there was no way to get off that planet. I kept waiting for Baby Yoda to intervene and like control the spiders with his mind, but that never happened, thankfully. I, I think it's uh, interesting that they have. Oh, uh, it, it seems like they have consciously um, uh, steered away from having Baby Yoda save the uh, save the you know save the scene, save the day. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if they think uh, did they. Did they think, did we overdo it, or did they do it just enough in season one to make us now think every time they get into a scrap, oh, well, Baby Yoda's going right. to save them. And then, right. then again, subverting expectations, uh, doing it the, the right way, and not having Baby Yoda save them. Um, oh, just, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't know if it's good or bad. or He's or still a child, too, either. you know. And maybe, and we've seen him every time he used his power, he, it, was, it exhausted him, you know. So maybe right. he, maybe he didn't like he was too cold and didn't feel like he'd be able to help or be able to handle it or uh, yeah. or or scared because uh, when that one spider got on his head and yeah. poor baby Yoda was struggling to get it off that that was actually that that kind of gave me um, scared me a little bit for yeah. you know I knew he wouldn't die but it just seemed scary I kind of figured he would just reach up and grab it off his head and, and shove it in his mouth but he didn't do <laughs> I, yeah I'm, I, I'm with you I'm surprised he didn't eat. But again, spider, yes. he's a kid and is frightened easily, you know, I suppose. Yeah, I remembered true. what I was going to say. It was when the frog lady's in the hot tub and Baby Yoda tries to eat a <laughs> egg and, and uh, the Mandalorian says no. Then he turned kind of, you can see, you can see and hear Baby Yoda kind of go <laughs> like he smells something. And he turns around <laughs> and he starts walking to all those eggs. I got a huge alien 1979 oh, vibe off of that. Oh, off yeah. of that uh, scene. I mean, totally. Brad, why don't you get mad like Bill that does about the sandworms? That's an alien. Uh, they're stealing because there's alien. A, there's uh, no reason line. to get mad. It just <laughs> it tells me angry. They just get tells angry. me how much they love that movie, Alien, like me. It is interesting how many tropes uh, get borrowed from you know property to property. Um, you know, are they I'm, tropes so, or are they love letters, Bill? Uh, you know what? Let's go ahead and call them love letters. <laughs> Let's call I mean, them love letters. I'm, you know, you you think I'm throwing you think I'm throwing stones here? I'm not. I'm just I'm just making observations. I know. You know, I don't I don't love it any less. Uh, yeah. um, with that said, I I uh, I think I um, uh, I think the first time I watched, I don't know if it was because my expectations uh, uh, were too high. Uh, that's very possibly it. But I ended up. Uh, finishing the first episode and I kind of, you know, I kind of turned it off and, and thought about it for a moment and went, that was good. Uh, I kind of had the same vibe I had when I walked out like Dr. Strange. It's like, I was wanting that to be the greatest thing I've ever seen. And it was really solid and really well done. And yeah, it was good. Um, I think, uh, I think that episode is going to age, uh, better. Um, I, I did have one, uh, one minor issue. There was a, uh, on the uh, the Collider website, which I have no idea if they're good, bad, or whatever, but uh, the Collider website had a uh, uh, an article written by someone who's who talked about uh, um, uh, how the uh, the Sand People are you know is kind of comparing that episode of The Mandalorian to uh, terrible America tropes like cowboys and Indians. 
and uh, how the sand people were supposed to be the Native American Indians and you know the, the 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 humans were the cowboys and how you know once again we're sacrificing you know uh, this race so this other and it's just like i just i well, my, my eyes rolled so hard it's just like can we just well let's just, just, just be the mandalorian does this have to be a societal well, commentary because i don't think feloni and them were intending that no uh, i i think because uh, we had said earlier, we're finally getting a more humanized version of the Sand People, and this is yeah. showing depth in them. So before they were always just bad guys. They were always right. just guys in bandages that yeah. just yelled and scavenged. That's yes. all we ever knew about them. But through the Mandalorian, we learn a bit of their culture, and we learn a little bit of their history. And, and, and just like in Western, yeah, and just like in, in early, early Westerns, it was always good guys, bad guys. Right, right. Uh, uh, so I kind of agree w- w- with that, but it's not hitting you over the head. I mean, compare, compare. You know, if you want to do apples and oranges, I mean, uh, you know, compare episode four, New Hope, depiction of of the uh, uh, of the Tuscan Raiders to like an right. old John Wayne movie, and compare this one to like Dances with Wolves, where the Indians, Native Americans, now have more of a culture, and you know more about them, and they're not just these blanket, you know, savages, for lack right, of a better right. word. And of course, in Star Wars, you know, I'm, I give Lucas a pass for you know for treating them like that in Star Wars because they were literally meant to be nothing more than danger. You know, their point was to push the plot along, and there was no cannon built up, and so there was no expectations for them. And it's fine. They they were mindless savages as far as we knew. Um, and and it's, I think it's really cool that they've gone back and um, kind of fleshed out some of this stuff. I just, I, you know, again... It's this has kind of reached the point where no matter what Filoni and uh, and company Favreau and Peyton Reed uh, et cetera do, um, I am now inclined to trust them without reservation. It's kind of, you can apply that that kind of that same way of thinking to this show. People that listen to us, they have mm-hmm. certain ideas of who yeah. we are and what kind of expectations you know they or what kind of things we do and how we believe. Right. But people don't know the real us. People have no idea that Frank does an amazing beat poetry thing every couple of weeks. They yeah. would never expect that to come from Frank because he's the joker and he's always you know, laughing and making fun. No, Frank is an amazing beat poet. It's incredible. And Bill, uh, he's the exactly. curmud. Go ahead. I was going to break you off some, but you know what? Come to my shows. Yeah. Finish up. People think Bill's the curmudgeon, right? He's always the I am? The, the ranter. They have this is no, news to me. They have no idea that he is an amazing chainsaw artist. No idea. The Thank sculpting you. he does with his chainsaw in his backyard, it's amazing. He actually sells his products on Etsy under a completely different name. You'd never know it was Bill. He doesn't stay under the radar. Very erotic. Let yeah. me tell you something. Erotic it's wood not, carvings with a chainsaw. <laughs> it's not easy to do ice carvings in Texas. Yeah. So, you know, that just, I, I think that should be another feather in my cap. Personally. It's not real easy to carve intimate body parts with a chainsaw <laughs> in a huge trunk of wood. It's just not. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I, I, a real again, life or very erotic. Art, either one. Yeah. Very right. erotic. Let's wrap uh, this you up. You know, but, but before we wrap it up, and uh, I was reading this other article about the theme of these two episodes and where we may be headed for the whole season. 
um, these two episodes kind of uh, have a working with your adversary type of vibe. So in the first one, uh, Cobb had to work with the same people who, you know, he didn't get along with. And um, for, for, you know, and this is a bit of a stretch, I realize, but, you know, the Mandalorian had to work with the rebels to kind of, you know, get the safety. I think this is some theme where we're going to see, you know, maybe Moth Gideon. Is that the uh, character we saw last season? Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, m- maybe maybe uh, the Mandalorian is going to have to team up with some people he normally wouldn't to defeat Moth Gideon. That's just a theory I'm throwing out there, uh, not based on anything. Or I maybe he'll have to work that. with Moth Gideon to to do something else. I don't know. I just assumed that uh, by the end of the season, uh, Moff Gideon was going to be forcing the Mandalorian to cook him some sweet meth. Breaking Bad reference. <laughs> Proud to Maybe say, still never slide. seen one episode of Breaking Bad. Yeah, we, we thought uh, we thought Gus Fring had uh, perished at some point in the show. Apparently, uh, apparently not. Um. Well, let's wrap this baby up. Move on to episode 508. You've been listening to Half Hour Wasted, proud member of the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Send your questions and comments to halfhourwasted at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Half Hour Wasted or leave us a, v-ma- uh, leave us a voicemail or V-mail, as I like to call it. That's what the millennials right. say. <laughs> at 469 Nine seven three nine, or an easy way to remember it is go wax type nine. Until next week, I'm Frank. I'm Brad. I apologize, and we'll see you next time on Half Hour Wasted. <laughs>